You'll always feel like you've got $640 million locked away in the vault when you shop on Amazon.com because you'll save so much money all year long. Get the best deals on everything you need and help support Rob as a podcast when you start your shopping at robaswebsite.com slash Amazon or in Canada, robaswebsite.com slash Amazon CA. Coming to you live from Nakatomi Plaza, it's Rob has a late holiday movie cast with Ian Terry. And now, here are the two guys who are ready to yippee-io-kaye uh, mofos. I'm Rob Cicerino, yes. And how about this? Here with me live in the studio is none other than uh, the guy who... Uh, will not will or will always die hard. I guess uh, here he is, is Ian Terry. Hey Rob, thanks for having me. Sorry, uh, that was a lackluster introduction, Ian. I'm sorry. It's fine. No, um, you know it's never lackluster when I know I'm in the studio that's been graced by Mike Boogie, yes, uh, uh, Parvati Shallow, and Kurt Clark. Um, has, yeah, Parvati's been here, not in the seat that you're in. Oh man, yes. Uh, Aris has John has. Co- John Cochran. Okay, that's good. Yes. But Kirk Clark as well, right? Kirk Clark as well, yeah, yes. That's, yes. That's the big draw. Now, maybe we'll have like a board for people can sign. Yeah, that'd be uh, great. W- w- at some point, we'll do that. We'll do that. <laughs> we'll take your picture and everything. Anyway, so Ian Terry is in town. So we got together to do this. We didn't get a chance to do it beforehand. Survivor ended on the 17th. Big Brother, uh, I'm sorry, Amazing Race was on the 19th. Uh, I My flight was on Monday the 24th second so so and i had the happy holidays in there so we didn't have time to do our uh holiday movie cast before the holidays but it worked out great that ian was in town here i'm back in los angeles i went back east had holidays uh with my family and now we're back here i got back in yesterday and it just so happened ian terry was in town and we said let's do the holiday movie cast now yeah, no, I think it was a great idea. We settled on a movie that's Christmassy, but not explicitly a Christmas film. Yes, so uh, this is a little more evergreen than our typical holiday movie cast. It's certainly, it's a movie that is that is set on Christmas uh, or Christmas Eve, and there is some Christmas imagery in the film, but it's not an explicitly Christmas movie in Die Hard. And it was a movie that people I I asked uh, a lot of I asked the patrons of Rob as a podcast what movie do you want to hear us do Of course Ian Terry and I in 2012 talked about Home Alone last year we talked about a Christmas story uh, this year is Die Hard so well lots of Christmas stuff I'll put links to all those other movie casts as well Yeah I'm really excited uh, We settled on Die Hard You know I went around uh, We asked you know the audience. Um, we got a lot of interesting choices. A lot of people said, what about uh, Cool Runnings? <laughs> yeah. um, the um, early 2000s, perhaps late 90s, uh, winter, not holiday classic, Snow Day. Snow uh, Day. Was, was requested, um, starring that, that chubby kid that, I forget his name. And uh, we, we just settled on Die Hard. Yeah, I think I'd like to put an early request in for 2015. I think I'd like to do Jingle All the Way. 
I've never seen it. I've never I, seen I it either, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of material one, yeah. there. I'm okay. still hoping that uh, around Big Brother time, maybe Smart House. Smart House. Okay, I'll check it out. I don't even know anything about Smart House other than Ian Terry talks about it. So uh, I'm up for it. It'll, it'll be June. There won't be a lot going on. Right, yeah. We'll definitely, I, I think we could fit that in. But here today, we're ready to talk about Die Hard. Uh, so, Ian, are you? How long are you in town for? You're gonna have uh, New Year's Eve here, also. Yeah, New Year's Eve, I'll be here. I'm actually gonna leave town on the fourth. Oh, whoa! Yeah, January fourth. Do you have uh, good New Year's plans? I do have some good New Year's plans. There's some, uh, you know, Big Brother house guests from, you know, international versions, uh, i.e., Canada. Yes, uh, they'll be around. So, so you're doing. New Year's in L.A. with international uh, Big Brother superstars? Yes, exactly right. Wow. Yes. So uh, from multiple countries, there will be Big Brother. That means two countries. Yeah. Um, we're not, we don't have anyone from Big and Brother. So you, and you guys have crazy plans to go out and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to, you know, the general Big Brother debauchery. I'm sure there will be, you know, tons of slop, perhaps some unitards involved. <laughs> It'll be a good time. Wow. Oh, so this sounds very fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a New Year's tradition at this point for some sort of big uh big brother party. Okay. So yeah. And, and so um, I mean, I tell me if I'm prying too much are you guys going are you guys going clubbing? Are you going to uh, like a house party? Uh clubbing. Clubbing. Yes. Oh my god. I I think I'm going to be I think I'm going to order takeout mm. and try to stay awake until midnight. See, that was that was the uh Ian Terry in high school tradition. Yes. Usually meant uh locking myself in the basement playing video games and then you know, <laughs> hearing the fireworks and oh, I guess it's time to go upstairs now. All right. So, uh very excited to talk about uh Die Hard and we're going to jump into it. Uh but first, I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor here on uh, Rob as a podcast today and the sponsor for our Die Hard holiday movie cast are our friends over at True Brain. And now if you're going to sit down with Ian Terry like I am right now, uh, I realize I probably don't have a chance to keep up intellectually unless I do something that's going to help me think a little bit faster on my feet. And that's exactly what True Brain can do because it, Ian, it's the world's first think drink. It's a think drink. The, the, the think drink. The it think could drink. Prevent brain drain, I guess. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's uh, it looks delicious. Um, you know, right here we have the uh, turbo variety. No caffeine. Yeah, it no comes caffeine. In, uh, one fluid ounce. That's thirty milliliters for our British friends. Um, <laughs> oh, good. You can access your brain's full potential, and best of all, it's made in the U.S. of A. Yeah, you didn't drink one already, did you? I have not. All right, well, True Will Brain. Are you sampling this or no? <laughs> if, if you want, feel free to have one. Well, when I'm experiencing some brain drain, I think I'll tap into one. I'll send you, uh, you I'll give you one. You could try it whenever you want. Awesome. So, True Brain uh, is a, a neuroscience company that they have the world's first think drink uh, made from nootropics designed to improve focus, memory, and mental clarity. Uh, our listeners can get their first supply for 40% off when they go to truebrain.com slash Rob. A lot of people are already using True Brain to get more stuff done, Ian, which is always a uh, very important to do uh people like writers ceos uh international big brother stars athletes uh programmers uh new york police officers designers lawyers uh craftsmen uh tv news reporters uh day traders artists and podcasters ian really good uh, i 
add uh, teacher to the list. Yeah. A true brain comes uh, directly to your door, uh, just like those reporters did uh, to John McClain's wife's house. Uh, your, our listeners can get their first box for $29.99. Normally, it's $50 uh, by using the link uh, truebrain.com slash Rob. Rob is a podcast listeners get 40% off. Uh, go to truebrain.com slash Rob. Again, that's truebrain.com slash Rob to get 40% off your first supply of True Brain. And uh, you could think faster improve mental focus all right so uh let's start to put our mental focus on the movie die hard and ian and i did something different that we've never really done this before uh for a movie cast ian had not seen die hard i had not seen die hard believe it or not and we said okay well let's just let's watch the movie here we went downstairs we watched the entire movie uh, my son tried to change the TV a bunch of times to grab the remote, but we, he did not succeed. Uh, much like the terrorists in the movie, he did not succeed with his plan. We watched the whole movie, and then we didn't talk about the movie uh, other than, you know, snide comment here or there. And then uh, came right up and went on to record. So, Ian, overall, what were your thoughts on Die Hard? On a scale of 1 to 10, I'll give it uh, 9. Because I Nine. don't believe in a 10. It was actually very good. Much better than that Christmas Story thing last year. Okay, so Christmas Story was, was down. You, uh, Christmas Story is a beloved Christmas film. It's not even a. It's not even a story. It's it's, it's more like Christmas small collection of <laughs> unrelated an stories. Yeah, it's really it doesn't make any sense. But Die Hard, I give it uh, two thumbs and two earbuds. Yes, two two earbuds. Uh, really, out of two. Obviously. Yeah. Really, really fun movie, especially, you know, it doesn't hold up fantastic, but I'm sure for 1988, this had to have been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I I thought it was pretty thrilling. Um, You know, I think uh, a lot of the things nowadays could have been resolved with modern technology. Uh, You know, Internet would have definitely helped them figure out who John McClane was a lot faster, Mm -hmm. but uh, definitely really cool. Yeah. All right. So we'll talk about a lot of different things. I don't think we need to do a full recap of the movie, but I think that this is a movie, even if you didn't see Die Hard, that you'll be able to enjoy this podcast. We'll probably bounce around and talk about a lot of different things uh, that happen in the movie. So, um, yeah, I guess let's start there. If this was 2014, how would this film be different? Well, I mean, a lot of the movie seems to be about how they just had this hacker guy who was disabling every sort of like computer system, the elevators, the lights, everything in the Makimoto tower or whatever it was called. Yes. So obviously nowadays there'd be so many different internet fail safes that they could, you know, quite easily communicate with the tower and get things back up in working order if they really needed them to be. Yeah. So the movie ends up taking place where they are attacking. What is this like? What is, what is the building that it's, they're in? It's some sort of uh, corporation headed by Japanese, it's like a financial firm or something like that. And there's a vault inside this firm that has what looked to be like bonds, I think like 600 some million dollars yeah. in like weird bonds or something And 640 like million dollars in 1988 money is probably uh, at least a billion yeah, now. Yeah, I would imagine that to be right around a billion dollars now. Mm-hmm. So they're some terrorist group trying to rob this building. So they take 30 hostages. Um, they kill the president of the company because he won't give them the vault code. Yeah, why wouldn't he give the vault code? He should have given them the vault code. He claimed to not know it. 
Hmm. But do we know? I mean, do you think he didn't know it? I mean, that's what I'm. I think he about. knew it. I, I think, think he, he was it. going down with the ship, and uh, you know, it wasn't his money, right? Yeah, it was the company's money, right? I, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe because he owned the company, maybe did. it was it was his money. But uh, I think you know, better off to be broken dead. Right. Sorry, better off to be broke. Worst case scenario to be broke and broke. dead. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Second best is to be uh dead and rich because at least you're heirs. But then third best is to be. I'm uh, sorry. Then the third thing, which is the second best, is to be uh broken alive. And then the best is to be alive and, and, still and rich. rich. Yes. Yeah. Yes, of those four things, that's the best. Those, right? Absolutely. And and unfortunately, he has the worst. Or actually, no, no. I'm sorry. He has the second worst, which is rich and dead. Correct. Because (laughs) they eventually saved the money, but they did get into the vault eventually. So it was kind of a a futile effort on his end, anyhow. Eventually, they did. Now, the movie takes place uh, at this company, and it's and it's sort of uh, a little like nebulous what the company does. Some sort of entertainment company. Now, the building that was the set of this movie, or was the at least the external set of this movie, is actual. It's a real building mm-hmm. in Culver City, and I believe that's where Fox is completely based out of. Oh, interesting. Because I noticed they said uh, Century City. Yes. Like many, many times throughout yeah. the film. And that is in Century City. If you drove Century City, uh, you could see that building and it's there and it looks just like it does in the movie. Um, and I was wondering, just to sort of put this in modern day perspective, to sort of like tie this in with, you know, they broke into this studio. If it was 2014, they could just hack into the studio. Because uh, that's what you would do in 2014. You just hack a studio. You don't need to go there and break in. And I'm not even sure if we would even need to break in. Right, yeah. You'd, you'd probably just hack yeah. the studio, yeah. disable the vault from your personal computer. Yeah, and, and then, then take all the emails of the company right. and then put those up on some server mm-hmm. and then tell people on Reddit, go look at these. <laughs> and then you would uh, and be able to embarrass uh, Mr. Nakatomi. Na- Nakatomi, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the company would just be ruined. And then you could maybe just like hack into his banking and you wouldn't even need to go in the vault. No, exactly. Really much more convenient nowadays to do it. Yes. And you wouldn't need a John McClane or anything like that. No, you wouldn't have to have like 12 henchmen, that, <laughs> you know, all German, totally incompetent. Let's talk about uh, John McClane and uh, his wife's uh, relationship. Now, uh, Miss J- Genera, what was her name? Holly? Holly M. Yeah, Gennaro yes. or something. Uh, Gennaro. Now, Holly, is, now is, again, is that tie into the Christmas uh, theme of the movie? Uh, I didn't even think of that. So, now, what is the, like, backstory of these two? Like, she, he was a, uh, a New York City cop. Correct. And she was, like, some aspiring executive for an entertainment company? Correct. So, from what I understood was she got this offer to have a really high-level position within uh Nakamoto or whatever it's called, Nakatomi. Yeah. And um, she took it. And obviously he was not happy about that because he had to stay because he had a backlog of criminals in New York to take care of. (laughs) And, you know, it seems that it's like ruining their marriage, the fact that they had to move across so much. How long ago did she move out to California? It seemed to me like I took three months. Three months. Did you feel like 
uh, Holly has had a meteoric rise through the Nakatomi Corporation in her three months in Los Angeles. I mean, think about it. She has her own office. Mm-hmm. Beautiful view. Yes. Amazing. It, clearly. I mean, she's, I mean, it, whenever Mr. Uh, the, the head of the company was shot and killed, they said who would be next in line, and she said herself. Yes. So it, it is implied that she was second in command mm-hmm. at this place. The guy who was the douche who ended up, uh, Ellis? Is that? Yeah, uh, Ellis, yeah. yeah. Worst case scenario, she's like second in command after Ellis. Right. Um, I just don't understand that it seemed like, you know, he was a, uh, a cop and they were and they were married and there was like some question of he didn't think that she would make it um like i i mean she seems like she's like the vice president of this corporation <laughs> like it's not like like they're the way that he describes their relationship makes it seem like uh like hey i'm moving out to la and i'm gonna see if i can get an internship somewhere and i really want to make it in show business and she appears to be like one of the like a junior vice president right. at like, you know, this massive corporation. Right. Yeah. I remember there was the scene at the beginning of the movie where he's in the limo with his driver, Argyle. And <laughs> you loved Argyle. Argyle is my favorite character in the whole movie, yeah. by the way. But it seemed to me that Argyle said, Oh, so you're like waiting until, you know, cause you don't think she's going to make it and then she'll come back out. And he's like, you're fast, Argyle. Well, that seems to be what he would think, but it seems like she was already high up in the company to begin with. I mean, you don't go from the ground floor to the top floor in three months. I don't know. And also, maybe there was like an East Coast uh, office for the Nakatomi Corporation. Perhaps. <laughs> maybe she was work already working there. But this is a very fast, you know, rise to the top for sure. for Holly, certainly. Um also, uh, she has a house with a housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who speaks Spanish and then drops it for English mid sentence and then switches back to Spanish. Yeah. And so that ended up being a looming large by the end of the movie when they show her on TV and then talking about like with the kids. And that's ultimately how Hans, uh, is it Hans? Hans Grubel. Hans ultimately figures out that John McClane is married. Yes. Because of the picture in her office, which she put down on the desk at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the timetable for this movie. Right. Uh, the movie takes place, it completely unfolds on Christmas Eve. Correct. Uh, how believable was it for you that Nakatomi uh, is having a big Christmas party on Christmas Eve in the office? Totally unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. I actually was thinking that uh, the standard Christmas party timetable for any office, I would imagine, would probably be somewhere between December 10th and December 19th. Yeah, I'm not sure why this movie needed to be set on Christmas Eve. Um, there's really nothing that needed for it to be Christmas Eve. Like, this movie could have taken place on December 15th just as easily as it was December 24th like there was no need for Santa Claus to come or anything like that we don't even get to Christmas where we're celebrating other than the fact that he's flying into town to be with the kids for Christmas like he could have just been staying for 10 days like there was no reason why this had to be taking place on December 24th yeah and you know the other thing is I mean you would think that this international terrorist group would have it shit like somewhat together sorry but I mean, 
they had to go on the day that there was the holiday Christmas party there. I mean, if they just went in the building when no one was around, it would have probably been a lot easier. Yeah. So they would have, you know, maybe just uh, gone in, but maybe do they need, I guess they didn't even need uh, Nakatomi to be there, right? I mean, the they only reason they needed Nakatomi was for the, for the code, which he didn't give them anyway. And it's not like the 30 office workers that were at this Christmas party were going to be able to tell them what it was anyway. Yeah, maybe also they felt, felt like they needed the hostages for part of the plan, but I'm not exactly yeah, sure yeah. why they couldn't have done exactly what they did on, like, just go on you know, on a Saturday. Yeah, just go in on the next day, just Christmas. No one's going to be there. Just go in, sit around, wait for the vault to break, you know, get that in, open up, and just leave. And as a resident of Los Angeles County, I could tell you that this town completely shuts down on Christmas. Like there's like some like corporation like this, like nobody, people are gone. Like there's no way people are working on December 24th. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is I, I've realized that this entire week in LA, no one's even here. People just yeah. go, yeah. go away. And that's Drive it. wherever you want. Feel free. Yeah. Willy nilly. Yeah. Go for it. Um, Ian, Two years ago, yes. you and I talked about the movie Home Alone. Correct. Can you compare and contrast <laughs> the storyline of um, a, a person who is defending uh, a premises uh, from intruders and a, premise, <laughs> a person who is defending uh, the premises from intruders? Do you see the similarities between so, these two stories? So you want, yeah, of course. I, I, I mean, uh, haven't been asked the old compare and contrast since the eighth grade. I feel Good. like I had to get the Venn diagram yes, out here. Yes, let's talk about but, compare um, and contrast. Okay, so, home Alone and Die So Hard. let's do the Home Alone. The plight alone. of Kevin McAllister and the plight of John McClane. So Home Alone, it was a lot more of an even battle. Yes. Okay, it was two on one, and the two were pretty wildly incompetent. In this one, it was 12 or 13 on one. And, you know, obviously they have a lot more, you know, automatic weapons, things like that. Yes. So Die Hard, definitely they seem to be a bit more together. Uh, Home Alone, they're trying to rob a house on Christmas, thinking that no one would be home. These guys seem to, you know, purposely go into this building, knowing that there's a Christmas party there and actively taking hostages. Hmm. Um, the other thing is, Die Hard, they know there's a vault with 600-some million dollars in bonds. Uh, Home Alone, it's still not clear to me what was in the McAllister household <laughs> yeah. that they were trying to get. I think we talked about, like, what exactly were they trying to steal? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it seems like Die Hard's makes a lot more sense. Um, I don't know. Die Hard, they, you could, like, there's always, like, the weak one in the Venn diagram that the one kid just puts down. It's, like, in Die Hard they were German or in Die Hard, they don't fill the sink up with water when they complete their heist. So th those are some good ones. Yeah, they definitely in both instances have a adversary that they bit off more than they can chew. Um, in sure. Die Hard, though, the, the bad guys were a bit more of like they couldn't turn back around, whereas the wet bandits at any point could have said, let's just break into another house. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Uh, as you said, once the uh, the international terrorist group in Die Hard had any sort of start, they, they pretty much had to finish the job. And I actually noticed um, the one thing is that if you steal, he said, if you steal $600 million, they're going to come looking for you unless they think you're dead. Mm -hmm. So 
that kind of explains a little bit of what I was unsure about up until that point. Who stepped on more glass in the respective <laughs> movies? Uh, John McClane or uh, Marvin Harry? It looks like John McClane. If I remember right, you know, Har- Marvin Harry like slipped on ice and stepped on a nail or something like that, but not so much glass. <laughs> There's a no, Christmas the, ornament, right? The ornaments, yeah. yes. I believe it. Which, which, who's Daniel Stern? What, um, Dan, in the, there's Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. Marv, Which one, right? J- Joe Marv. Daniel Stern is Marv. Yeah, and Harry is Joe Pesci. Because yeah, Harry is like the short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Marv is the one with like the crazy hair. Yeah, because the, what uh, Kevin McAllister does, he like puts like tar on the steps, tar. and then he ends up taking off his boot and his sock, and then stepping on the Christmas ornaments. Right. And then this sort of similar to where uh, Hans orders them to shoot out the glass in the building, right? And <laughs> it, that looked pretty nasty. Not gonna lie, that was pretty bad. Um, in both instances, uh, the hero ends up realizing the importance of their family. Also, yes, yes, a very astute point, a very astute point. Yeah. Um, in we have not seen future editions of Die Hard. I have uh, not. But we have seen future editions of Home Alone. Correct. Um, do you think John McClane will take uh, anything away from this experience that Kevin McAllister was not able to take away from his first experience? Well, um, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think Die Hard 2 is called Die Hard 2 Lost in New York. <laughs> so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, obviously I'm, I'm still kind of, maybe it is for all I know. I mean, yeah. is there a pigeon lady in that one? But I mean, for all I, I know, it is. seems like John McClane seems to seems to have a little bit better of a handle on things. I mean, he's just doing his job. Whereas Kevin, Kevin's going to get lost every time. And uh, then eventually he's going to be replaced by an entirely different kid. Um, and in the third Home Alone, actually, I believe it is an international terrorist group. So there's another similarity. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Home Alone Three is North Korean terrorists oh, trying to steal. Oh boy! Did they, and then and a then computer they, chip they from a remote into the, into the studio and then and then made it not come out. Per, that's probably it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, and then as far as uh, Home Alone ver- versus um, Die Hard. Who had the better smart Alec uh, cracks at the bad guys after hurting them? Kevin McAllister Ooh, or John McClane? That's a good one. Who did that better? I'm going to go with John McClane. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think he did some, uh, some better stuff. Okay. Uh, let's also compare and contrast uh, Die Hard to... Uh, let's bring, bring it back around to Big Brother. Okay. Okay. Uh, how would Die Hard have been different if instead of uh, undercover New York City cop John McClane, <laughs> that <laughs> the international terrorists uh, ended up going toe to toe with undercover New Hampshire cop uh, Derek Lavasia? Uh, yeah, Lavasia or something like that. Something yeah. like that. So, Derek there- L. New, New Jersey, right? Wasn't no, no. Tony was New Jersey, Rhode Island, or something. All right, well, right? well, then, and then let's talk about Die Hard. If yeah. <laughs> Tony Flachos, okay. okay. So that, I think, I think that would be a movie. I think Tony's is pretty similar to to the John McClane <laughs> version. In fact, I think it's pretty much identical, <laughs> if you ask me. Um, 
Look, I came out here for a party. They said, come out here to the coast. It'll be fun. He's like building the spy shack under a computer desk. Oh, Tony Vlachos. I think he would have been better than John McClane during all of this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, no. that, <laughs> he would have been on the, on the emergency channel. And then Carl Winslow, who we'll talk about, <laughs> answers this. Like, and it's like, uh, like, hey, like, what's going on? Are you a cop? He's like, no, I'm one of the construction workers that was here from making the building. I'm not a cop. <laughs> Definitely not a cop. Construction worker. Uh, so, yeah, so Tony would be fantastic in this role. Yeah, I agree. Now, I think Derek would also do pretty well. The only thing is he'd probably convince the uh, German terror group that they were his friends. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. He'd probably convince them that they were friends. And then, uh, he'd probably also just convince these German terrorists, not once they open the vault to just give him the bond just for shits and giggles. If we're going to recast the reality version of die hard. Okay. So, I, so John McClane is, is Tony. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. And, and then, the cop who's outside of the building. Okay. That, that's Derek. I want Winslow? Derek. As, yes. Okay. yes Carl Winslow. okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. And, he, and he's the guy who's talking him through it. Right. He's so he's also. Uh, and I feel like that would be the, that that would be a great movie. I will take that. Yes, <laughs> I, I would. I would definitely pay twelve dollars or movie theater price to see that one yeah and he's got a a, a kid on the way derek has Perfect. a kid uh, i think that, that would be a really good combination really really well yeah. done and he's got to like deal with like derek on the outside he's got to like deal with all the politics of yes. the principal from the breakfast club and <laughs> stuff like that he's dealing with everything while tony is the one like uh, getting his hands dirty on the inside yeah that was another thing that we we had noticed when we were watching uh the head of the deputy i'm not sure of his name it was just some la police deputy outside rob had pointed out he's like this guy seems like he always like seems to play in these like roles of like this like hard-ass guy in these 1980s movies and i'm like yeah he looks like a school principal or something and it turns <laughs> out he's like yeah he's from the breakfast club he's yeah and, that. and i was like oh yeah i can't find the uh the actor's name right now i'll do the, i'll bring up the imdb for uh breakfast club but yeah he's I would yeah. just control F deputy and then it'll come up. <laughs> control F deputy? Yeah. Control F and oh. then deputy and it'll probably point you right you, to You it. remember his rank? Yeah. It, he definitely was a deputy of some kind. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Paul Gleason. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Fourth one. Yeah. The great Paul Gleason, uh, who was the principal in the breakfast club. He really seemed to have an ax to grind with John McClane for no reason. Yeah. I, he was definitely anti-John. Yeah, he just sort of wanted to come in and start running the show. And uh, I'm not exactly sure why. He really wanted to just be in charge. He didn't want to hear about what John McClane was doing. And really none of his plans seemed to work. Yeah, he, he really had no clue. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's really just like came in and was like cynical about everything for no reason. Just was like uh, a, to a total douche from the get-go. Yeah, I think that's just... Uh... Any movie he's in, right? He's he's going to be like sort of this incompetent authority figure. Yeah. He's just a hard ass all yeah. the time. And he's definitely uh, typecast as uh, here in this role. Deputy of Police Chief uh, Dwayne T. Robinson. Mm. Yes. Deputy Robinson. Uh, let's talk about the bromance a bit more yeah. between uh, John McClane 
and uh, Reginald Vell Johnson's uh, Sergeant Al Powell. Okay, so that's his actual name. I'm just going to keep calling him Winslow. Carl Winslow, yes. Yes, and don't call him Carl because that's confusing because there actually was one of the bad guys is named named Carl. Carl. (laughs) Yes, which that actually was really confusing for me. Uh, throughout the film, like Carl is the guy with the long blonde hair. He's like, no, 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 wins Carl Winslow. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, the cop, right? Okay, yeah, can so we call this this guy yeah. the guy who is like pretty much the chief henchman? Yeah. Um. Uh. I would like to call this guy. Uh. I want to pl- have him played by Hayden Voss. I the... I actually would definitely go with that. Long blonde hair. Um. He, yeah. They look kind of alike. Yeah, he kind of um, looks like he's like uh, could be like Hayden Voss, if not his dad, his uh, you know East German uncle. Yeah, it's like that. Um, remember that show, uh, Salute Your Shorts? Yeah, <laughs> yes. I mean they, they the, with donkey lips, right? Yeah, the 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 similarities between the three of those those guys quite you know quite visible. It's very very apparent. So that uh, that was Carl with yes. a K. Carl with and a then K. you've got sad news. Winslow. Also, uh, the actor who played Carl uh, it has died oh. in 1995. Oh wow! Yeah, did not make did not uh, you know make it too many more years after. He's only 45. Oh wow! Huh? Poor Carl. Yeah, gone poor too soon. Carl, indeed. Poor poor Carl. But for the sake of this conversation and talking about the movie, right? Hayden Voss. Right. Yes. Hayden. Okay, so uh, bro, such a bromance between John McClane and uh, Sergeant Al Powell. Do you, do you, I mean, where do you feel like uh, this is going from here for uh, Sergeant Al? <laughs> Who is, and for the, and if, and if I don't know if we, I don't know if we said it, uh, is the dad on Family Matters. Yeah, no. Uh, typecast as a cop typecast also. Typecast as this cop. We meet him uh, in a mini mart in Los Angeles where he's buying up a bunch of Twinkies. Spoiler alert, uh, he will be in Die Hard too. Okay. Okay, yeah. So it seems like they have some sort of lasting friendship and probably moving towards like a buddy cop film in the next one. At least that's what I'm guessing. Well, Let's see, he's in Family Matters. What are, what are his other works? Because he seems pretty familiar. Uh, well, according to IMDb, best known for Family Matters. Of course. Die Hard and Die Hard 2. Uh, he's in Ghostbusters also. Uh, oh. Take a look at that. Uh, most recently, uh, he has been appearing on uh, Heart of Dixie. I don't know what that is. It's a... Uh, Mike and Molly he's also in. Yeah. So apparently. I think that Carl, Carl Winslow has been working steadily uh, since then. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. He's got a pretty killer IMDb photo also. Yeah, that's that's why I was laughing. It's just a <laughs> Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah. Um and so yeah, Carl Winslow, I mean, it was a good time to be Reginald Val Johnson uh between like 1988 and 1990. Yeah, actually at my uh at my high school we had a security guard that had a very striking resemblance uh to to officer winslow it was it was very very common like that that's that's what people said it's like yeah winslow that's that's who he was that's how you knew one from the other yeah and you know uh sergeant al had a uh a pretty interesting backstory that he shot a kid in the line of duty yeah and that's why they put him on the on a desk he couldn't uh, have a firearm anymore or I guess I guess he could have a firearm, but he uh, didn't want to. He didn't want to. Yeah, he lost he lost the nerve after he uh, very sadly he shot he shot a kid. 
Yes, and uh, spoiler alert here. So I, yeah, you hit that one, right? Yes. So the movie ends with him saving the day by drawing fire, just like you know, yeah, lightning he quick on kills boss. Carl. Yeah, he kills Carl with a K. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, he takes him out. Now, yeah, how was that believable at all to you? That uh, Hayden Voss, who apparently, I mean, I mean, John McClane ties a chain around his neck. Right. And swings, swings him down. Into cinder blocks. Into cinder blocks. Right. And then for minutes, seemingly. I assumed he was dead. 20 minutes of movie time. Yeah. uh, Is hanging there. People are running by. He's not moving. Uh, He's made a full recovery. Yeah, I thought that was really odd. I I thought for sure that he was dead. Yes. Much like the clown in Billy Madison. (laughs) He was not dead. He was not. He wasn't dead. Um, Do we have any guarantee that he, well, that the character uh, is dead now? Oh, yeah. I mean, he took a bullet on the forehead. He's done. Okay. Uh, Well, that's that's tough. Um, John McClane and his wife uh, run out of the building very quickly at the end of the the film. Um, Does that bother you at all? Yeah, I mean, they ran out of there. I mean, the guy was, like, limping 10 seconds ago. He could barely walk because of all the glass in his foot. Well, I just feel like, uh, don't the police want to sit down and get a full report from John McClane? I mean, on the way out, John McClane uh, punches a reporter in the face. <laughs> uh, I got the sense that the film takes a very anti-media uh, stance. Yeah, which is kind of ironic, given that it's a movie. <laughs> yeah, but they're very, like, anti-journalism, like uh, yeah, I feel like, in the, in the film. Uh, I felt like it was a real odd turn the movie took when they started devoting um, so much time into the press coverage of the event. Like, the whole scene in the TV newsroom, I thought, was very odd. Yeah, it, it seemed totally out of place as well. Like, like, I, don't I, I don't know that it really added anything to the movie. Like, if the news reporters had something to do with, yeah. like, the eventual you know, resolution, but it was just like this weird side thing that hadn't no place in the film. Yeah, you could have cut 15, 20 minutes out of the movie um, by getting rid of all of the, the newsroom stuff. There like, was, there was one cheap laugh though with the, <laughs> the, the uh, Helsinki uh, that's in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Finland. Yeah. There was like one of the reporters was like kind of a jerk and did he wanted to go out and I cover think, it? I think he he wanted to be his story or something like that. Like we all saw of a like sudden, an argument. That's how we're introduced. Like who gets to, yeah. Should we do this coverage or not? Yeah. Right? We're in like this whole like anchor man story of like where they're fighting over who gets to go out and cover this and, and who wants to go report from the field. And then they're interviewing a hostage guy. And you know, then we did have the scene with the reporter at the house where that ended up being on TV, but you could have just had the reporter at the house and we didn't need to see all these things going on with the reporter. And then they dug up stuff about, um, you know, we could have just gone and cut right to that. You know, the only thing that actually, no, there is one part of it that this was necessary for. And that was, that was how Argyle was tipped off that this was going on. Yes. Because Argyle was sitting in the basement because in the beginning of the movie, we're introduced to Argyle's limo, which Argyle wants to go cruising for chicks with McLean. Yes. And he says, this limo has everything. It's got bar, VHS, (laughs) TV, phone, all, all the fixings. Yes. So 
you know, that's how he turns the TV on because he's jamming out in the basement of the 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 skyscraper, totally oblivious that any of this is going on until he sees and realizes, you know, on the local news what's happening. And at that point, he tries to drive out, but realizes the gate is shut and he realizes he's kind of screwed. Yeah. And then he like barrels his limo into and takes out like a truck. Uh, that was sort of a, a kind of a crazy move that the bad guys had like a big truck and had a truck in the truck. Uh, it's like one of those like Russian tea dolls of uh, that. You, when you open up the back of the truck, there was another like emergency vehicle truck inside the truck. Right. It was, it was like this, uh, nesting dolls right <laughs> yeah. like of trucks yeah so it was fairly amusing and then you see argos in there and he's like what the hell is this um argos saves the day yeah he drives the car right into the um fire like little they, van yeah, ambulance that they th- they were going to use to escape uh and then he punches the other guy out with one shot right yeah exactly so really good for argo um tell me this is there any way Argyle is not completely wasted by the time John McClane comes out of the building. You know, that is a very good point, but he seemed to be pretty with it, right? I mean, I don't know why he would... High tolerance? Perhaps. But also, you have to think... I mean, he's still going to have to leave with McClane, right? Yeah. So it's very likely that he didn't partake. Hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, he is drinking the booze in one scene. Oh, he is? Yes. Oh, I totally missed that. Yeah, he's drinking the booze um, when he's sitting there. And he sits with, like, the giant stuffed animal. Now, Ian, John McClane has not one, but two kids. Correct. He has one present. They're sharing it, I guess. They share it? They have to. They share it? First off, anybody that (laughs) gets on an airplane, I, I don't care whether it's 1988 or 2018, you get on an airplane on on Christmas Eve and you have that thing and you're trying to fit that in the overhead compartment on a crowded December 24th airplane. First, uh, you know, no. the Christmas Eve flight at the airport is, is insane. People are fighting you for the overhead space. Yeah. And he's got like a, a huge bear, yeah, uh, a 80 pound teddy bear. That he's trying to fit into the overhead compartment on the airplane. He's going to have to check that thing. This is madness. Yeah, that's going to have to be checked. Yeah, yeah. You got to put that thing through. Check that in the bottom of the plane. That is yeah. that is not going to fit in that little thing that you have to try to put your carry-on in. That's going to cause a riot on an airplane. Oh, yeah. And that's going to take up the entire bin. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the people that come and break into the building also... Um, this was a particularly polite, uh, well-dressed, and handsome group of, of repscallions. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Yeah. They're pretty put together. Yeah. Not an ugly guy in the bunch. Mm, I'm debatable. <laughs> maybe, maybe there was like a couple of guys that were maybe like fours uh, on a scale of one to ten. But for the most part... Yeah, it wasn't like Harry and Marv were showing up, was it? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, these were some good-looking guys. I'll give it to you, sure. Yeah. 
I mean, um, there was the one guy who was sort of like the guy that was eating all the candy. Uh, you know, it seemed like he was sort of like the older guy in the group. Yeah. Uh, Oddly, that guy just, I, w- I was unsure because I hadn't seen him. He didn't look German at all. Yeah. I, I don't know who that was. There's also the guy who uh, is the Huey Lewis lookalike, who I said, oh, Huey Lewis is in this movie, but then I Googled him, and it's not actually Huey it's Lewis. Not, but it is a common misconception. I guess so. Yeah, a lot of people think that that is Huey Lewis. Um, he's kind of got, like, the uh, HOH room with, like, the spy screen job. of He's able to sort of, like, look at all of the different uh, monitors and right, see what's going on. because they have him planted right at the front desk. Yes. And on top of that, they also have... Um, this hacker guy, uh, who has like a, a setup in the yes. like the wiring room. Yes, yeah. There's sort of like a, a kind of a crazy security system on this 640 million dollars that's in the bonds, where you have to like hack stuff and drill stuff, and then there's like an electromagnet, uh, electromagnet. Lock. But then, um, for some reason, it like disengages if there's a terrorist attack. Um, so I think they shut down the grid. So they shut down the power grid for that block. Yes. And that's what disabled the vault. Yeah. Which is kind of unfortunate because think if there's like ever a rolling blackout, like things going to open up. Yeah. I feel like that'd be a pretty solid, like panic room to have. And if the number one feature I think you want in a panic room is the door to the panic room stays shut. If the power goes out, right. Exactly. You, you don't want to have a panic room that is like needs to be plugged in. It really defeats the purpose of the panic room. Exactly. Yeah. Um, would you want a panic room? Um, I, I think that uh, at my school we have something pretty close. The the supply closet it, right off the chemistry room and the science room. The light, there's no light switch. I remember the first time I was in there, I probably spent three or four minutes just trying to turn off the light to save power. Turns out the there's no light switch. This light is always on. The light is on now. No one is at that school, but the light is on because it's a panic room. Well, it's a panic room, and also like if you're in there and the power went out, like you start spilling acid on yourself. It would be terrible. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that's that's good to have. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I guess it is sort of a panic room. Yeah. Um. Also, another similarity that I found while watching the movie between Die Hard and Big Brother, I feel like uh, the people that come out of the Die Hard building, I feel like it's uh, not unlike the end of the Big Brother season. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. definitely happy to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you come out and there's like confetti in the air, papers there was blowing paper around. All over the place, right? <laughs> yeah. At yeah. first, I thought those were the bonds, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like <laughs> It's raining money. It's raining money. Like, why are people not running? It was just a green and white paper for some reason. Yeah, so people were all excited, um, and it was like John Mc- McClane was like the winner. Right. And he came out, and then, um, but instead of, like, sitting down and talking with Julie Chen, well, actually, they don't even talk to the winner of the Barely. Big Brother. They say, you know, John McClane got talked to more than uh, the person who won Big Brother. Uh you know, John McClane punches the reporter in the face. <laughs> now, um, what would happen if if if, you did, if somebody did that move on Big Brother? They just came out and just clocked Julie Chen on live TV. Well, I don't think uh, Les they, Moonves would be too happy. Yeah, about they that. wouldn't just get into the limo with Argyle and drive off. Yeah, probably not. There'd, there'd probably <laughs> be some lawsuits for sure. Wow, wow. Um, 
just think about it. Uh, the the $640 million that you would get for breaking into the uh, Nakatomi Corporation, uh, you would have to win uh, how many seasons of Big Brother, Ian? Well, are we doing that in today dollars? No, in then? 1988. Okay, so it was what? $630 million? 40. $640 million? You'd have to win it. Um, okay, so $640 million. Two seasons would be one million dollars, so <laughs> six hundred forty times two, so one thousand two hundred eighty times. Yes. You have to win it one thousand two hundred eighty. Wow! Just think about that. Wow, that's that's <laughs> probably yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Um, and I mean you, that would take you uh twelve hundred eighty years to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit more efficient if you just try to win Survivor that many times. Yeah, certainly. Um, so I guess, you know, you could... I mean, there's two per year, so it'd only take you, what, 320 years, right, for yeah. Survivor. So big, a lot less. What do you think the split was between uh, Hans and all of his guys? You know, that's one thing that I was actually... And we had noticed this. There's one scene where the the Mr. Taki, whatever his name was get shot in the face. Yeah. And we noticed that... Mr. Taga- uh, Takagi. Takagi, yeah. Mr. Takagi gets shot in the face, and we noticed that one of the henchmen hands money to the hacker who's sitting at the computer. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, you had said, like, they probably had a bet. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense because ostensibly, you know, 10 bucks, 100 bucks, not going to make that much of a difference if you're taking $640 million from this vault. Mm -hmm. So I would probably imagine that Hans is getting like probably 50 to 60% and then the rest is divided pretty much evenly amongst the chumps. Yeah. Um, What did you think uh, the Takagi uh, Corporation uh, was up to? Like when they were looking at like all the models of stuff, like, yeah. did you feel like, uh, was that a benevolent project that they're working on? Are they like, uh, going to, um, are they up to no good or is that just like what they're, what they're working on? I mean, it, to me, it looked like some sort of weird highway system with a park in the middle. I, I don't even know what that was. Like I thought bridge? it was water. I thought that was like the, the metallic part was water. Right. And that was like a bridge going over the it water. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of like weird highway bridge with a park on it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like this is a, that they're up to no good or you feel like this is uh this is kosher what they're doing? I think it's on the level. It's on the level. It's on the level. Yeah. Cuz I wasn't sure if maybe, you know, that these guys, I thought that maybe they might have like felt like they had the moral high ground, like t- uh, Takagi was up to something. Huh. No. No. Yeah. Uh so yeah, what I really don't, I'm, I'm confused about what this company does. Like I thought that they were like you know, some, some sort of entertainment company. I, I don't really understand what they're doing, like building bridges. Yeah, it might be like some sort of infrastructure or something like they're that. They're like developers Perhaps, or something. Yeah, maybe it's like, um, maybe it's like, uh, does Cisco build bridges or no? Mm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. But I think they would do computers. Yeah, I, I have no, isn't there a logo bridge or something though? <laughs> might be. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, maybe there's something like that. Maybe it's just like some sort of weird engineering conglomerate. Do you think John McClane's wife had something going on with Mr. Ellis? 
Trouble Queen's wife had sex. Did no, her. no. She she rejected his advances, you know, harder than you know. RC Why would, was? Would, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. <laughs> Um, why was he doing cocaine in her office? I mean, it's the eighties. It's the eighties. That's the answer. That's it. I mean, I mean everyone was doing coke in the eighties. Does 80s. Mrs. McLean uh, or Mrs. Gen- Miss Gennaro? Does she do cocaine with Ellis? Probably not, because she has kids. Then you can't. Yeah, you can't do cocaine if you have kids. I mean, you shouldn't. <laughs> you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't you do should, it anyway. Yeah, you shouldn't but do at it the same point, I mean, it was the 80s. She seems pretty responsible, but Ellis... Why just, he doesn't have his own office? Why does he got to do cocaine in her office? Unless he was waiting for her to come back so she could do cocaine with him. She, he was probably, probably going to try to convince her to do cocaine. Oh, uh, that's I the I move? I wouldn't say that she does it, but I bet you he was going to try and be like, hey, I want some coke, because he was, he was coming on to her pretty hard at the beginning. Yeah, he's talking about that Rolex. Now, did you notice that when um, Hans falls out of the building, he pulls the Rolex off her hand? Yes. Yes. Um, so what is the symbolism there? Is that because is she going to give up her career now due to this? That's interesting. I, I, no, I hadn't even think. Because you know. would think that she would be set up here. To re- I mean, Ellis is out of the picture. Yep. Nakatomi's out of the picture. You would think that she would be forget about you know, you know, uh, third in command. She's running the show now. She's running the whole thing. Yeah. So that's and she stepped up during this whole crisis. She did. Um, everybody saw how great she was. She got a couch for a pregnant lady. I mean, she is looking like a, a real executive, and you know. I, I have no idea what John McClane's salary was, but as the child of a New York City police officer uh, who was uh, working as a police officer in the 1980s, I can tell you uh, we did not have like a mansion really? growing up. No, oh, uh, wow. we did not. <laughs> okay. Did I blow you away with that fact? Uh, I mean, I thought uh, New York, Cops were pretty well paid. Maybe. I mean, I think that they make a decent, certainly a respectable. Yeah, you make a respectable living, but you would got to think that uh, Mrs. McLean, Mrs. Uh, Gennaro. I mean, she's got. It seems she's like she's got to be making what maybe like you know seven, eight times what Bruce Willis's character yeah. is making. She, I mean, based on the office and how high up in the company she was, she seemed to probably like she would net at least like you know ten, twenty. Mill mm-hmm. a year. Was there problems in the marriage, or does Bruce Willis just love being a cop so much? Well, he said something about there was like a backlog of criminals, and he, you can't just up and leave. I yeah, mean, but I, I feel know. like that was sort of a that seemed uh, like a cop red out, tape. Though. Yeah, a cop out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. There you go. Uh, um, but, but yeah, that, that's very interesting. I I mean, I guess there were some kind of problems because there seemed to be some sort of struggle in their marriage, right? Yeah. I mean, he certainly was upset that she was not using or that she was using her maiden name and she, we had this fight in July. And so I feel like that there's definitely some trouble in, in the marriage. But now, you know, things are th- things that seem to have improved. I think, you know. Are we just to expect that she's giving up her career to go and be with John McClane and be back in New York? I think that's what we're supposed to. I think that's the takeaway here. That's the takeaway? I think so. I got to pop in Die Hard 2 tonight and oh. see what they see how this turned out. I I would love to find out. I feel like we're we're at a loss. We're going to be set up for uh, for the next one. 
Uh, John McClane is also uh, very aware of like uh, TV references. Uh, he's very meta, John McClane. Yeah. I mean, he was talking about uh, Roy Rogers. Yeah. That's why he went by Roy. Yes, that was his name. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, also that like, there's a lot of talk about where, you know, um, you know, you Americans, you think you're like a Ram Rambo and, and, uh, stuff like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and so it's it, interesting that we're in an action movie talking about other action movies, right? It was, it was very referential yeah. to, to the times. One of the things that uh, was one of my worst nightmares in the movie was the scene where John McClane is in the, uh, what would you call that? Air conditioning? The duct? Oh, yeah, yeah, the the air vent. So he was in the elevator shaft trying to grapple from one floor, ra- ra- repel from one floor to the next. His rope that he was using didn't support him. He falls almost to his death and grabs into uh, an air vent. Yes, uh, I think that was one of the most terrifying parts of the movie for me. Yeah, it was, especially the part where he, you know, lit it up with his lighter to see, and then you saw one of the henchmen. I think it was the Hayden Voss. Yeah, one, Hayden Voss noticed that the light went out. Yeah, that was definitely terrifying. Uh, the most terrifying part for me would be uh, if there was a rat in the vent. I feel like oh. that's the. I, I feel like I have uh, nightmares about that. Yeah, I was definitely waiting for for something, <laughs> something of that nature. Yes. Um, I would not want to go and, and uh, explore the air conditioning ducts of any building. Certainly not. No, I definitely, I definitely would not. Um, it used to always bother me also on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation uh, that they go. Are, are you a fan of, of this? I, I don't watch much. Uh, a lot of times, Sorry. a lot of times they, they crawl through these tubes and they, and they go two by two. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like why why would why would you do that? That'd be the weirdest way to ever try to do that at this go at the same time. Because they're talking. I I've never seen it. Oh. I, I, Take my word for yeah, it. Yeah, I'll have to. It's weird. Um when they kept calling John McClane a uh, cowboy, yeah. uh were you hoping at any point they would refer to him as beast mode cowboy? I was more thinking uh Michael Ellis. <laughs> And there is an Ellis in the movie. Yes. Yeah. So it all it all comes down. Uh, how would how would Die Hard have played out if Michael Ellis was the person in charge of saving the day? He would do pretty well. And then they found out that it was actually his sister was one of the hostages. I think, yeah, I think we'd do pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that it would end the same way? Yeah, I do. I think uh, you know he'd probably use a lasso more often. Than a gun. <laughs> uh, and what about uh, if Beast Mode Cowboy was in the uh, hero role? Well, I mean, he'd have been, uh, you know, as long as you were to replace Mr. Uh, Gennaro with Amber, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think he'd probably be pretty determined to, to finish it off as well. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to uh, see if there's anything else from my notes uh, before we jump into the questions. Did you have anything else uh, from your uh, mental notes? Uh, Argyle rules. Argyle was pretty fantastic. Yeah, I think the, my favorite character in the movie. Who would win the Big Brother season of uh, Die Hard? Argyle. Argyle? Oh, for sure, it would be Argyle. <laughs> it's like Mike Boogie always says, like if you're just cool, like you know, you'll probably last at least six weeks yeah. without any problems. And I feel like that's just Argyle. Like Argyle has that game on lock. 
I feel like he was like the Parker of uh, Die Hard. You know, <laughs> that that that's perhaps true. But part the problem was that Parker's uh, partner, partner was was, was high yeah, maintenance. That's, that's that's where that's where Parker kind of lost that one. Parker probably does well most most seasons. <laughs> All right. Uh let's take let's take uh some of these questions. Uh let's start off with uh Ryan DeBauer says Die Hard was released in July yet is considered by most as a Christmas movie. What ingredients are necessary to classify a movie as a holiday film? Christmas songs. Yes. Writing ho 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 on the dead man's body and putting it in the elevator. Yes. Yes. Being set on Christmas. Yes. A Christmas party. Yes. Christmas gifts. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it took place on December 24th. Are there any movies that take place on Christmas or Christmas Eve that we don't consider Christmas movies? I mean, I would say that a lot of people would probably argue that Home Alone 2 is not, or Home Alone 1, I wouldn't say is explicitly a Christmas movie. Hmm. I would, I would argue that it is, but I feel like some people would say that it could be any time of year. I think it is a Christmas movie. I think it it comes down to, for me, it's do they play it around the holidays? I mean, but Die Hard, I mean, I guess it kind of is more, I would say it's played more often around the holidays, but if it came out in July, then. Yeah, I don't consider Die Hard to be a true Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's explicitly a Christmas like, movie. Like, if we were doing this before. We, it was the holidays. I, I wouldn't have picked Die Hard. Right. You know, but because it's Christmas Eve and it's still the holiday break for most people, uh, like, uh, well, I'll allow it. Yeah. But I wouldn't I, consider I think Die it Hard fit, I think a it true fit Christmas movie. Perfectly, because, you know, he wanted something Christmas, not explicitly Christmas, and this was perfect. Like, I feel like Die Hard would be the answer to the question of a movie that's set on Christmas that's not really a Christmas movie. Absolutely. I think that would probably be the answer. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, Scott Chupak wants to say, how uh, would you change the Yippie Kaye line uh, for the made for TV version? What? <laughs> if you were going to have a TV version yes. of this, yes. Uh, how would you change that line so that it could be said on TV? What's wrong with it? Well, I think you can't say the mother effort part. Oh, oh, yeah. I was going to say there's nothing explicitly bad about the other portion. Um, well, let's see. They probably would change it to something. It'd probably be something sucker, right? That's like the typical change because I know that, like, you know, flying F is changed to yes. flying flip. Oh. And things like that. Yeah. Whenever that. So I would say it's probably something like um, probably mother sucker. Mother sucker. Um, what do you think of Yippie IO Kaye? Uh, Fruit Loop Dingus. <laughs> it's got a rhyme, bro. <laughs> That's a rhyme. It has to rhyme. I mean, I know that flying flip doesn't, but I mean, okay. It has to. So the lips match. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Okay. Um. By the way, I, this is the thing I talked about with Eric Stein uh, on the holiday cast. Yes. Uh, we were talking about the uh, Big Brother sixteen cast. Correct. Um, and I made the observation. I felt like that they are sort of like in their own bubble. Bubble. Right. Yes. They're in a Big Brother Actually, sixteen I bubble. I hadn't listened to it yet, but yes. I had heard that this was like the observation that was made. Yes, and that was the only thing I knew. And I'm actually planning on listening to the Eric ten- part tonight. 
Yes. Do you feel like that that is the case of the Big Big Brother 16 is almost like it was its own show? And the people from Big Brother 16 are very much uh, out there talking to other people from Big Brother 16. But there's very little cross-pollination of Big Brother 16 and all of the other Big Brother, uh, all the other Big Brother seasons. I would would say that is correct. I feel like I've had far less interaction with Big Brother 16 cast members than uh, I have with, I mean, Big Brother 15. It seems like I'm talking to those guys once a week. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you wish you were hearing from them less. No, no. Well, no, no. Yeah, but, uh, but kind of. Uh, I mean, you know, Andy is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Spencer's a nice guy. Yeah. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. Um, and no person from Big Brother 16 would ever associate with any of the international Big Brother people that, that you're spending New Year's with, right? Oh no, no! I, I actually, they would. I actually had a, a text message that says that uh, you know Brittany, Brit, you know T A N Y, okay, and not the one with the pink hair from season yes. one. Yes, you know is is you know she's cool. Big Brother sixteen I mean, people have a- acknowledged the existence of Big Brother Canada. Yes. Oh my God! This is a, this is an exclusive. At least one has. Yes. We don't we don't know? I mean, I'm not expecting like. You know, um, who was on that seat? Um, let's see. I mean, Devin has as well, so that's two. <laughs> okay, that's two. <laughs> um, okay, that would that could be a perfect uh, crossover. Yes, I would like to see. I, I want um, to maybe make a, a holiday special where uh, Paul from Big Brother Canada plays Devin's dad. <laughs> Oh man. I think that would I think that could be uh, a classic. Yes. Uh if you haven't checked out Paul on Kenny versus Spenny yet, I I highly recommend that. <laughs> All right. Uh let's uh, take some more questions. Uh how about uh this question which is from uh Mira L says, "What kind of boots do you need to be the best possible terrorist killer?" <laughs> uh <laughs> Probably even not just Uggs. sandals. Probably yeah. not Uggs. Uh, no Uggs? Why I would no definitely, Uggs? I mean, you know, you want to be pretty masculine, right? So mm-hmm. I think Uggs or Mugs, even male Uggs, I think it's just not not quite manly enough to get the job done. Yeah. I will say, Rob, I, I right now I am barefoot yes. and kind of like, you know, moving my toes along the carpet and it is quite comfortable. Yes, much. Uh, there's no broken glass in here. There isn't. There's. I, I make sure that's like one of my big things is that I keep no broken glass on the floor in here because that would uh, sound bad for podcasting. Right, and Dom obviously. Yes, we, we wouldn't want him to uh, to hurt himself. <laughs> yes. Okay. He gets into everything. Um. Let's see. Um, how about, uh, this, this question from Orange Shaw, uh, what changes or updates, uh, if any, would you suggest to the writers of the universal terrorist playbook after seeing how it was followed step-by-step, uh, played out for, uh, agent Johnson and Johnson. Um, now agent Johnson and Johnson, those were the two guys that were in the helicopter. Um, how, what did you think of their plan? Um, well, uh, clearly didn't work out too well, especially when they started shooting at, McLean and you know he had to radio I'm on your side assholes or something along those lines so changes to the playbook uh, I would say uh, listen to McLean more that would be good yeah that would be good 
Mark Solera wants to know, are Twinkies even that good? Boy, uh, mm. Carl Winslow really seemed to know a lot about Twinkies. Yeah, his wife seemed to be, you know, really getting those pregnancy cravings for Twinkies. I mean, did you buy that? Was that was the stuff he was buying at the gas station really for his wife? I thought that he was just getting it for himself. Well, I mean, you want to believe him, right? Because he was the good guy. And he said... My wife's pregnant, and we, you know, have the AMPM guy. Like, yeah, right, uh huh, yeah. But you know, he, as far as we know, he's a pretty truthful guy. So I, I'm inclined to believe. I thought he was still bluffing. I don't know. I'm going to believe him. Why did he know all of the ingredients? Because he gets them all the time. He just, he just sits there and reads all of the ingredients on the Twinkies. I mean, Rob, I don't know about you. I always read the ingredients of like for this water. Water. Yeah. <laughs> good. That. Good. That's how we like it. That's how we like it. Okay. Uh, Brendan Fitzpatrick says, according to IMDb, Al Pacino was at one point attached to star as John McClane. Can we please get thoughts on what an Al Pacino diehard would have been like? Uh, other fun potential leads to maybe play around with were Sly Stallone, Mel Gibson, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it seems like something Schwarzenegger would be in, right? It seems like the typical role that he'd play, so that makes sense. Yeah. Although they would probably have to change the line, what do you think this is, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? they probably have to change it to, what do you think this is, like a Bruce Willis movie? Yeah. That would probably be the major change that I could think of. Boy, I really can't see Al Pacino uh, yeah, in no, this role. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, I think that would be that would be <laughs> tough. I feel like uh, that... A lot know, less physical, I feel like. A lot less <laughs> A lot less physical. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, how about this This question uh, from Jeremiah Panhorst says, what exactly was John McClane's limo driver doing that entire time before he realized a crime was taking place in the building? Getting crunk. Yeah. Um, would, if this was in 2014, would John McClane have taken an Uber? <laughs> yeah, and it'd probably be a lot less safe. It would be less safe. Uh, they're not sponsors, are they? No. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, are you anti Uber? I don't. I don't know Uber. I've never used. It. I like it. Really? I, I, I like Uber, and I've I never and, used and it. I like Lyft. I use. Uh, I've, I've actually never taken an Uber. I've, I I've, use yeah. Lyft. I've I, never used either one. Um, I used to be pretty dependent on cabs. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if New Orleans had Uber when I was in college, I probably would have used it a lot, and I probably would have been robbed a few times. You really? Why do people get robbed on, on these things? No, not that I know of, but I hear there's like always safety concerns. Are there always safety concerns? Because I feel like um, when my mom was visiting, I was like, "Oh, we'll get you, a, we'll get you an Uber, we'll put you in a lift," and she's like, "Oh, they, you know, you'll be, you'll be." Uh, she 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 was like uh, against it. She, I was like, I was like, it's safer than a cab. At least this has a GPS. I can track where you are on the app. <laughs> the one thing I didn't like though uh, was I took a a lift a couple months oh, ago. Okay. Took a lift, and then like a few weeks later, I got an email, and it said, "Oh, your lift driver has has raided you," and I was like, "What? I'm being raided? I'm being judged? Now I feel like I have to get in the car, and now I've got to be like on the whole time because I'm being evaluated." Yeah, you're being evaluated. I thought it was a customer. I'm being evaluated. It has has a two way rating system. You can (laughs) rate. The, so the now I have one? to like be like, oh, like, oh, hey, how's it going? What's 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 it, what's it like out there? Oh, like, oh man, you look uh, very good today. 
I yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. Well, now, now I probably will get I harassed. I mean, Lyft seems like you need a conversation and I Now this is so much pressure. I have right. to like write material. I'll be like in there with like index cards of like uh, potential like, discussion topics. Yeah, like, okay, like, okay well, sports, uh, weather, uh, go just go down the well, list. And, and current you, events. You don't want to just go with anything like too political or no, anything like no, that. God forbid you, you know, you have one of these people where it's like uh, they're like really far out there on one way or the other. Mm. Yeah, oh I want to stick God. to safe topics. Yeah, I mean, God forbid you like wear a shirt that like has like uh, a I heart a, lift, perhaps a, a statement they don't agree with. Oh my God! Uh, so yeah, the old days of just you call up, you call up Argyle. He comes with the car. He's not rating you, only in his head. Uh, you don't get an email about that. That seems like the the day. Yeah, that would sure. be good. That would be fantastic. Um, uh, Mike Stevenson says, what are your thoughts on Carl's brother's choice of the all gray uh, sweatshirt and sweatpants attire? Uh, not very scary. Yeah, it doesn't really seem to be a dress code uh, for the guys. Um, you have, of course, uh, Hans. Right. Suit very and t- well dressed. Suit and tie. Very well Not dressed. what I would wear um, if I was going to be, you know, uh, taking care of this operation. Yeah, probably not. What I- would you wear? Um... Let's see if I'm dog like, costume. No, no. Uh, actually, it may, may get people to let their guards down a bit. I would probably want to be comfortable, right? Yeah. I would think like maybe get the Sperry's most comfortable shoes. Get out there. Shoes are important. Shoes are in, in, in diehard. Um, I'd probably go with like Bermuda shorts. Shorts. Yeah, and since it's Christmas, it's you wouldn't cool. get cold. No, nah, you mean, have shorts on today. I have shorts on today. It's kind of chilly out. I'd be cold, but it's not that cold. Yeah. And then I'd probably wear like. Probably would dress in layers. That always dress in layers. I think for me, this is like the same sort of attire that I'm going like with like a lot of layers. Uh, like I'm going to be traveling on a plane, so I'm going to wear like some sort of like cargo pants because I could put like guns oh, in, yeah. uh, in my po- in my pockets and like your Game Boy bullets. the other one. Uh, yeah. Then I have put like the walkie-talkie and like I just want a lot of pockets. Uh, then I want like some. Maybe I'll wear like a t-shirt and then also like another another shirt over it that has like some uh like shirts with pockets in the front and then like a jacket that has like you know also more pockets just because I need bullets and and walkie-talkies and uh any anything else like if uh like I need a place for my phone I don't want to put anything down. I feel like that's probably the way to do it. And then if, if I'm too hot, I could take it off. Um, the suit just seems very impractical. Yeah, wildly impractical. Uncomfortable, probably stuffy. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess you could probably put like a gun in one of the pockets inside there. But yeah. I mean, really not necessary. But the rest of the guys were all pretty well dressed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the... But I mean, then you had the one guy in sweats. Yeah, so I mean... I don't know. Maybe it goes by rank, and that's why he had to go up to the thirty-second floor or whatever. Yeah, he was like, "All right, he's the lowest level one." Yeah, you look like a schlub. You go up there, and that's why it's it. You dress to impress, and that's the thing. You know, one has to ask: How do you even become a henchman? In I don't know. That that's a good question. Is there a henchman school? Is there a degree that you need to? 
I don't know. I mean, maybe like Hans was planning this operation for a long time and it was like, okay, do you, hey, do you know any guys? Do you know any guy? I'm looking for some people to go with me on this, that might be it. on this thing. And then, well, I know this one guy, he looks like Huey Lewis. And then, <laughs> uh, then you, you had, uh, Carl, you, do you know anybody? Well, I know my brother. Like, uh, yeah. well, does he have any nice clothes? Well, not really. No, just sweatpants. Like, all right, well, if we have like a thing where we need to go send somebody out, like he's like the gopher, he's like the intern, he's like the low man on the totem pole. Right. Uh, bring him around for that. Okay. Mike Stevenson also wants to know, what's your opinion of these dumbasses who let him off the roof like that? Why not send five men up there and surround him or take an extra second to aim properly at his head when he's yelling on the CB? Uh, what is the most inexcusable thing the bad guys did in the movie? Yeah, I mean, it's... To it's, let John McClane live. It's what I call, like, typical action movie guy. It's like, when you have the opportunity to kill someone, then do it. Yeah. Right? And it seems like there's so much, like, stalling, like, as uh, Seth Green says, like in Austin Powers, like, why don't you just, you know, go into the bathroom while Austin Powers is on the pot and just shoot him? Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, there's just so many opportunities that just go and, and, and are missed just like that. Yeah, well, there's the one guy that's like, when you have the chance to kill somebody, don't hesitate. Just do it. And then he fires <laughs> up through the table and, yeah. and kills him as if as if the wood was like going to block the entire time that's right um i feel like uh when they shot all the glass uh and they broke all the glass around him and they just sort of like left him there and was like yeah now walk on the broken glass he'll never be able to get out of this yeah and that actually is one thing that kind of irritates me i mean see if i were even thinking about it what i would probably just do is i'd probably like take my big toe and then clear out sections of broken glass at a time to step that's what i have always said if i ever have to like walk broken glass that's probably what i do is i'd sacrifice the big toe yeah clear out small sections and then just walk and save the rest of my feet Hmm. could you do it with your hand maybe yeah but then i mean what are you gonna maybe your fingers i guess yeah, it feels like you, maybe you could have gotten some if, if, if that much time. Um, it just uh, seems you had time. <laughs> uh, Mark Slayer wants to know, is the future Lucy McLean a QT314, Ian? <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't know. We'd have to look. We would have to look up. <laughs> I don't know if she had any other roles. Okay. Albert Vargas wants to know, was Holly GU, according to Vin Scully? That stands for geographically unavailable uh would once holly moved to los angeles should uh should bruce willis have moved on well no 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 i i think that uh for me uh love can't be stopped but you're not against the long term the long distance relationship i mean rob i sit in my apartment every big brother season or survivor season and thrive on the fact that it could work out with with one and someday it it might yes okay uh then uh, (laughs) let's here's a question from uh antonius uh noel uh gary fellow wants to say did you know that in the german dub all the villains have english names like charles did you know that that makes sense um, because you typically don't want the country, uh, you know, that that's being portrayed as bad to get your movie and then say, hey, why are they shooting up our guys? Yeah, that although, makes sense. Although I would imagine that most Germans are probably not terrorists. I mean, th- this was like Soviet bloc stuff, right? I mean, that's. Um, I don't know if you would count Germany as Soviet bloc. Well, yeah, but like in that, wasn't there like the wall? yeah berlin wall yeah Yeah. so i mean this is before my 
birth and not really covered in history classes much. So, yeah, I'd imagine this is probably some, like, sort of communist organization, I guess. I don't know. Harry Schaefer wants to say, uh, have either of you guys noticed that the unintentional spell check of the Nakatomi touchscreen directory when John McClane first looks up Holly, the results page for G says uh, Gennaro, G-E-N-N-A-R-O. Then when he highlights it, it's spelled uh, Gennaro, G-E-N-N-E-R-O. I thought that was a funny production error. Ian, did you catch that? I did not catch that. But. I would say as a guy who I believe the mailbox for my uh, apartment, I could show you when we, when we leave Ian uh, says uh, like is like some sort of crazy misspelling. Like I, your last name does often get misspelled on these types of things. That That is very true. I mean, uh, you know, I, how many times have I been called like, you know, I mean, Terry's kind of hard to screw up, but people find ways. They sneak A's in there. Yeah. They 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 try to say that Terry is my first name and Ian would have to be my last name. I mean, it's definitely pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. And Isn't that right, Mr. Uh, Sester Momo? Sester Momo. That's, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and then last question. Ben Standing wants to know, uh, when you beat Dan, do you wish you had just said yippee-io, kaye, mother effer? <laughs> Uh, the three S's, no swinging, sh- uh, swing, <laughs> I'd have lost there. Singing shout outs or swearing. It's the three rules of the Big Brother live show. Yes, but you could quote, uh, so if you would have said, uh, yippee, 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 kaye, fruit dingus. Yeah. You would have been fine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then said, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> that would have been perfect. Absolutely. All right. Ian Terry, who's here on a whirlwind trip to Los Angeles. Has, who has had a better trip to Los Angeles, you or John McClain? I mean, I, I think I'm, uh, I, I don't have broken glass in my foot, so I'm going to go with me. Okay, so you are living the dream. You've come out to the coast. Yes. You're having fun. You're seeing some friends. Yes, good, yeah. uh, good times. I have family out here, so it's good to see them. Yes. Um, take a little break, remove myself from... You know, Houston with school and all that, you know, great fun. Yes. And then when does school year start back up? Um, so I'm leaving Sunday. I have to go to like a content type day on content day. Yeah. It's where we, the physics teachers, we all meet and talk about what's, what's coming up in physics. Uh, yeah. that's Monday, Tuesday, I think is some sort of professional development. I think Wednesday I'll be back in the classroom. And there's going to be a pop quiz on Thursday. So if you're listening, pop quiz Thursday. Pop quiz on Thursday. All right. We'll yeah. see if any of Mr. Terry's uh, students are listening. All right. So <laughs> I doubt it. I, I hope not. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, if then uh, all the students, this gets like really viral. Yeah. There's like one kid in the class who's like pencils, pencils. Everyone have their calculator. Everyone need to borrow one. <laughs> I heard on some podcast we have a pop quiz. <laughs> It's like, is this true? They always, they always ask, are we going to have a pop quiz today? Yeah. It's like, so, well, did you listen to all my podcast appearances? <laughs> <laughs> then you'll know. All right. Uh, yeah. Bring it. Somebody uh, bring a true brain on Thursday. Oh yeah. <laughs> bring that true brain. The turbo flavor. Would you, would you kick a kid out if, if like, would a teacher be mad if you see uh, drinking true brain? Well, you know, uh, we have a pretty strict no food or drink policy in school, but oh, yeah, I'm, get in trouble. I'm also the type of person that's just highly <laughs> unlikely to ever notice. It's only 30 milliliters. Yeah, right? I, I, I'm the type of person like 
people like the room could probably be on fire <laughs> and you know it take me uh take me a good hot second to figure it out uh ian i need a hashtag kidding. i need kidding. A, i need a hashtag <laughs> Wait, for what uh for this podcast oh uh how what do you think of carl winslow <laughs> i think that'd be good that would be good and then people, if they make it this far into the podcast, they liked it. They want to tell us that they made it. Then they have a hashtag and they could uh, let us know. Do you have anything else? you have a better one? No, I certainly don't. Anything uh, memorable that sticks out from this conversation? No. No. All right. Let's go with Carl Winslow because... Uh, hashtag fam- Carl Winslow. <laughs> Carl Winslow. Is it Carl with a C? I believe it's Carl with a C for Carl Winslow, even though the guy in the movie the was Carl. Hayden Voss yeah. was Carl K. Yeah. And not Carl from The Walking Dead. No. That's a, di- that's a different Carl. Different guy altogether. Different guy. All right. Follow Ian Terry on Twitter, uh, even though you, you probably already do. At Tulane Terry. Yes. What, what have you been tweeting about recently? Um, recent your, tweets your have trip? been... Um, I think there might have been a little bit about my trip. I think there was some sort of... Uh, some observational humor observational um, humor a little bit of that lately uh I, I like to do this uh last last couple of tweets here uh you said kale is actually pretty good yes it, it is indeed pretty good you like kale i do like kale yeah uh what about yoga uh it's fine uh this was a good one that was a good tweet there uh three words she wants to hear restraining order approved yes uh, that was a trending hashtag the other day. I think uh, it got a lot of attention. Definitely was pretty happy about that. Okay. And, uh, Let's see. What else, what else you got going on on Twitter? Oh, yes. Uh, this Christmas. This Christmas, I'm looking forward to group text messages wishing me happy holidays from people I haven't heard from since high school. Do you get that a lot? I, I did. This year was the first time I didn't have like... I don't think I got one this year. That's that's good. That's a good thing. I, uh, usually like Joe Schmo from Shaleria High, you know, I get like... <laughs> The text at one thirty p.m. on Christmas. It's like Happy Holidays. I'm like, I, I don't even know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just get like a number. Yeah, and I'm like, who is this? And it's like, uh, remember from high school? Uh, and I'm like, no, I don't know. Okay, and let's see. Uh, yeah, and then you were tweeting about uh, about Survivor. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, you, oh, that's you, a good one, right wh- there. Which one? A dating show. Uh, so you wanted to have a dating show starring me, uh, in which limited contestants are told, "No, you cannot be my QT three point one four GF." Yes, I think that would be a hit. But could we do it as a Robin's podcast web series? Um, I mean, uh, you know, if if, if in a we'll couple think months, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll see. Okay, all right, Ian Terry. Fantastic. You were happy with Natalie's win on Survivor? Yeah, I was perfectly fine with it. Yeah. It's good. Uh, it didn't bother you that somebody from Amazing Race now won Survivor? Um, as far as I know, no one from Survivor or Big Brother has, or, or Amazing Race has ever won Big Brother, so <laughs> I'm still fine with it. My show's, my show's honor is protected, Rob. <laughs> you feel like should the survivors in general be upset with that uh somebody from another show came in and won survivor oh absolutely just waltz yeah but you right know in. it wasn't an all-star season like it wasn't like we had our best people out there that, like it was sort true. of like we just there were just some people out there we didn't pick who we sent out there to that, represent there was, us there was not any sort of good representation yeah it's not, it's like, not you, like we had a vote and right. we, and this was who we sent like uh, Fair. 
Yeah, like send send Missy and Keith. Yeah, yeah, uh, you had Baylor representing your side. <laughs> it's a sticky situation. Yeah. All right, if the great Ian Terry, uh, will, I'm sure we'll be back uh, some sometime in the next in the next few months. Getting ready, Big Brother Canada around the corner. Really looking forward to it. Actually, yeah, should be fun. Should be a big, a big season now on Global. Yeah, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's going All to right. be global. Ian Terry, enjoy your New Year celebration with the international Big Brother superstars. Happy New Year to you. Sounds good. Uh, we have got coming up in the next couple of days, probably uh, either Friday night or Saturday, I'm going to be with Amy and Haley Strong talking about a preview for the upcoming Bachelor season, oh, which kicks off on Monday, which they're going to be covering on reality TV for half ups. Uh, but I like to have them on before the season starts, talk about what to expect on the Bachelor this time around. Then we get right into it. This weekend coming up, it's the return of Celebrity Apprentice. Do you follow the Celebrity Apprentice? You no, know, I used to. Yeah. Big season. I believe they're. Uh, NBC has, I believe, two hours on Sunday night and two hours on Monday night. We'll try to cover uh, podcasts for it on Sunday night and on Monday night for you guys of covering the big start to the Celebrity Apprentice season. And then, of course, uh, this Friday, The Evolution of Survivor. That's my my audio book, my Survivor 30 for 30, where we're going back and taking a look at the strategy of each season of Survivor. The next chapter will drop on this upcoming Friday, which is going to be January 2nd. Our Africa chapter will drop. Uh, If you want to see more about what's going on with that, you could check out evolutionofstrategy.com and listen to our first chapter about Survivor Borneo, almost six hours uh, completely for free. There you go. Should be really fun. All right, Ian Terry, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, of listening to this off-season podcast. We've got uh, plenty to do. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say in the comments, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.